Next up, Andrew Stinger, Product and Corporate Marketing Lead at Coda. Coda is taking a stance against documents and spreadsheets, things that haven't changed in over 40 years. They're saying the world needs a new doc that brings words, data, and teams together. Andrew, tell me in the shortest possible way, what is Coda? I think Coda is an evolution of the software that teams used to get work done, primarily docs and sheets. We see ourselves and position ourselves as a new all-in-one doc for teams. What this means is we bring words, data, and teams together in one surface with building blocks like tables that can talk to each other so they're never out of sync or buttons that let you take action. So you can actually start with a doc and build an entire system if you want. So anything from note-taking through project management tracking systems are possible within Coda. We let you start with your unstructured data and add structure to it as you go. Yeah. So this is a new exciting space that you guys are in. And then you have that exciting campaign, which is also your homepage headline, Enough of This Sheet. Tell me a bit about that slogan and the story there. Yeah, all deference is due to our brand marketing lead and brand designers. So Laura and Seth, who were at Coda before I started, they incepted that campaign. But the general idea is when you look at our space, productivity and collaboration, there are obvious incumbents, right? You have the Microsoft 365, you have Google Docs and Sheets, and there's a whole number of folks who are saying, we think we can make work better with better tools. Those can be apps, those can be table-first tools or doc-first tools like ours. But what we really wanted to convey was there is an evolution. You have an opportunity to be aware of it. One of the things we leaned into as a key persona of ours is that maker or organizer within a company who likely has like crazily over-engineered spreadsheets. I was one of these in past roles where you start with a spreadsheet and you add in your macros and you're trying to make it as robust and comprehensive as you can. You push the boundaries. Eventually, you just can't surpass past certain boundaries about that form factor. And we wanted to call out that frustration that some people have that either maybe you have the one spreadsheet that is actually an index of all your other spreadsheets and docs, or maybe for one project, you have 30 different tabs open. With Coda, we remove that tension because your doc and your tables can all live in one doc where they are synced together. So you don't have to copy paste information in nine different executive dashboards. You can have different synced views of that data. So the idea was to paint the picture that there is an old way of doing things we believe it's outmoded and outdated. Thank God our investors do too. Uh, and we wanted to flex that tension and get people curious about that. And the reception has been great. We actually launched this campaign almost a year and a half ago now, and we will still get tweets about it where people discover it. It will still get mentioned as like, wow, what a great execution. So again, killer props on the tagline to Laura and the visual execution for Laura and Seth on our team. I actually shared this on my Twitter organically. I just saw the headline some months ago. I was like, wow, it was like bold. And most B2B SaaS websites shy away from being bold and they rather err on the side of boring. So on, on your end, when you're working on the messaging, what does that look like? How often are you optimizing for, let's say, the least inoffensive thing so we don't get canceled versus let's try to stand out from all these players out there? Sure. So I guess first things first, I mean, I come from previously before Coda, I was at Instagram where there were much higher stakes in terms of things could be controversial or things would make front page news based on a product decision or a marketing decision. In general, B2B SaaS tends to be a little less controversial. So I don't think that there are stakes that are as high in terms of going off the guardrails, but our brand team especially has really put a lot of thought into our voice and tone. And the four things we keep in mind when we're doing any messaging, whether it's an announcement to our community, whether it's an organic tweet, whether it's an email campaign is the first is we do want to be sharp and assertive.
assertive. You're not going to convince people to rethink their use of incumbent products if you're not assertive and demonstrating some sort of expertise. But at the same time, we want to engender and encourage making. If you look up our CEO, Shashir Marotra on Google, you'll see plenty of thought pieces on him about the maker generation. And we really do believe that this generation, this next evolution of people who have knowledge workers, especially in the past year, where we have all been, a lot of us at least forced into this like abrupt shift to remote work, how can we make that sting a little less? How can we still make work a place where you can be imaginative and curious? And the last is we do want to be good coaches. And I think good coaches motivate players in the language they're likely to use. So if we get stuck in a bunch of industry jargon, if we're not willing to poke fun at ourselves in our industry, we're not going to be able to communicate as coaches to our players. The most compelling part about that story that you guys are telling to me is that when you show that the spreadsheets and the docs they have been the same for 40 years. And then you even have the screenshot of the 1978 is basically spreadsheets. And everybody gets spreadsheets because we all use them, Google Docs or Microsoft or whatever. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, everything has changed in 40 years and I'm still using the same thing. So I think it's a great hook. Tell me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, that was honestly one of the founding theses of the company. So when our founders and original employees started working on Coda in 2014, this was part of what they looked at was this arbitrary choice of form factor. I'm going to do my work. Am I going to do it in a doc? Am I going to do it in a spreadsheet? Am I going to do it in a presentation? And no matter what you choose, you ultimately wind up having to move some information into some other form factor. And that was the challenge that they wanted to tackle. So that is part of our brand promise is we're removing that arbitrary choice and we're acknowledging that the primary tool people use to get work done has not changed much in the past 40 years since personal computing became more ubiquitous. Google was kind of a first mover in putting things in the cloud and allowing for better collaboration so you didn't get stuck in like versioning hell like we used to way back in the day. But there's still room for innovation beyond different toolbars and things like that. I think the other thing that was really important is if you go around and survey just common folks and say, hey, what's the most popular coding language in the world? A lot of folks will think of a coding language they've heard of. Maybe it's JavaScript. Maybe it's C++. It's actually Excel formula language, right? Like spreadsheet formula language. Even if you've never written a lick of computer programming code, you've probably at least figured out how to write equal sum in a spreadsheet. And we even realized that language could be updated and more powerful for people who grasp the way that logic of a relational database works. So how do we move from spreadsheets and grids to relational databases? And how do we remove that arbitrary choice of form factor in the primary way people do work? Those are part of our DNA from the get-go and are still part of our messaging. And I think part of what you referenced, we obviously had that bear out in a major tagline with enough of this sheet. But if you look up Meet Coda on YouTube, we tell the story basically of Coda while obviously working in the value prop of why we think we're a better alternative in 100 seconds. And you can find that video on our homepage as well. You guys are in a new space. So in software, of course, everything is relatively new, but like some stuff is newer than other stuff. So your category, all-in-one doc, is emerging. And also when I go to your website, you really only talk about that idea. You kind of talk about yourself as if you're the only one doing what you're doing. Tell, tell me about that. There's a breakdown in audience. Obviously, a key thing in messaging is not just saying the right thing, but saying it in the right place, in the right way, to the right people, where they'll listen. I know every marketer listening to this is like, duh. But when we're thinking about convincing people to adopt Coda, everyone's coming from somewhere, right? Like if you're thinking about Coda, you have used a Docker, a sheet type solution in your life. If you are coming from one of the larger incumbents, the Microsofts or the Google Docs and Sheets, there's a chance you may not have heard about other solutions in our space. 
So positioning ourselves as the solution is very intentional. If we can be kind of the first impression people have and a positive first impression and get them, if you just sign up for free Encoda and jump into a doc with a blinking cursor and you see, oh, I can drag this template in and all of a sudden I have something that feels like an app in my doc. We have high confidence that you'll become a power user of Coda and potentially even an evangelist to others. The other angle that people might be coming from are from other kind of newer productivity and collaboration tools. Those could be app-first models like Asana Monday. Those could be table-first models that rely on you having structure for your data, or those could be doc-first models. And in those cases where we're having those conversations, we found that that audience doesn't necessarily call us out on our positioning as like the solution. I think part of it is they understand that we need to lead in a space that's moving. So the fact that we can speak to an audience who might know there are alternatives, but it doesn't necessarily trigger any ill impression in them to position ourselves this way, while still having that advantage in positioning ourselves to people who have not heard of our space, is intentional and has been really beneficial to us. You mentioned a couple of times your brand team who came up with some of the leading winning messaging you guys have. So how is that organized? So you have your brand team and then you have your product marketing and regular marketing and then there's company strategy and the C-suite somewhere. How does it all fit together and where does it start? Okay, I know I promised this wouldn't be a Coda infomercial, but Coda does run on Coda. So there's no way for me to tell the story without talking about our product a little bit. But I will say if at the heart of this question is just like, how do you operate and what does your rhythm look like as a team that keeps you staying in sync? Shashir, again, our, our co-founder and CEO, just published a doc about how he had defined the operating cadence at YouTube when he was their head of product and design. And our operating cadence looks very similar here. So we do have some company-wide forums for decision-making, for leads of different groups to be able to quickly grab time with each other, for everyone to be on the same page about how Coda's business is doing by the numbers, as well as in the words of our customers. So everyone at the company attends a meeting called Stats and Stories, and will actually hear directly from customers about their product experience. So in past lives where I would have to do large scale inbound projects just to get like a product manager to understand and have that empathy for how a user was using the product, they're already going to a weekly meeting where they get that intel. So there is something just about the way we operate as a business and you can read more about it if you just search Shashir YouTube operating cadence, his doc will pop up. But then the reality is we do have a tool called Coda that keeps us connected. And in a year and a half where we haven't been able to huddle in a conference room, get on a whiteboard, throw post-its all over the place and come up with ideas, we are able to make an operating system in a doc where I can type slash run of show and I get my product marketing template that's like, here's all the things we have to do in sequence for our launch. We can embed product designs from Figma. We can embed draft designs that are either screenshots or PNGs from the brand team. We can have a press plan live side by side for our PR and comms team. We can embed tweets. All this can happen in one Coda doc and we can have different views of the same data that stay in sync. So my product marketing team that is going to be working with the product team on what is the timing of flipping different config flags to turn things on can present data that way. Our brand team that needs more of an open creative space to ideate and do name storming and tagline management, they have their space to do that. But it's all happening in one space where we can pop in asynchronously if we need to, to get on the same page. Literally, that's a Kodo joke, same page. <laughs> and then, of course, we have our own kind of individual tag ups. Like we have a weekly go to market squad meeting where we talk about what we're planning for the coming weeks and things like that. Who is in that meeting, the go to market meeting? How often does it happen? Who leads it? Who is there? Yeah. So our go-to-market launch squad meeting is led by our two product marketing managers, myself and my colleague, Elaine. We, Elaine and I, outside of this meeting, attend all of the product squad tag-ups and meetings. So we are as up-to-date as possible on what's going on with our upcoming product launches. We actually write the marketing brief 
at this point about at inception of the next product. And then we update it as we go. So that way the brand and creative team can start like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is the audience we're targeting. This is why we're building it and what we hope it will do. These are different messages we need to land or value props. We have that very early in the product development process. And then we take those marketing briefs and review them as a team, typically in order, like what's coming up in the nearest term. We have our social media manager in that. We have our PR and comms lead in that. We have all of our brand designers, brand writers, and our head of brand, Laura, in that meeting. We have a representative from our key accounts team. So the sales team has an idea of how we're planning on positioning things and can make asks for collateral or training. We have our help center, a user support lead. We have our broader user support lead in that meeting and our community manager. And it's 45 minutes a week and it's a lot of people, but it's a super tactical meeting. Oh, we also have a solutions architect in that meeting who can think about if I want to build an example doc encoded to show the world, what would that look like? But through anchoring in that marketing brief, where we at least ask like kind of the, the TLDR type questions, we create space to co-author FAQs, like what corners are Elaine and I as product marketing managers not seeing around that may be the customer facing team who's working with customers every day that they can anticipate. How do we get that in there? Are there things that we need to think about in terms of nomenclature and naming products? We get as far ahead of that as possible by having these marketing briefs built out and then having that weekly sync and then having one-off meetings as needed for different launches and different features. And how early before you actually launch a thing did you, did you discuss the positioning and messaging? So when I first started, I was the first product marketing hire for Coda. Sometimes it would be like, hey, we're launching this in two days and we would have to figure out how to position it. We were a smaller company, but I mean, Coda launched over 100 features last year. That was not going to be sustainable as the company grows and scales. We're hiring more engineers. We're going to launch even more features. So thankfully, we're also building up our go-to-market squad to work with that. But our goal is really like, once we set the quarterly plan, or even beyond the quarterly plan, we know some projects are not going to be complete in three months. Elaine and I are meeting with those product managers to say, even just like at the thesis level, what is it that we want to build and what is it that we want it to do and why are we building it? And we will start documenting that in the very earliest, even just ideation phases of a product. Maybe the designs are not even like sketched out yet. We want to at least capture that. So we can start having that conversation and getting people thinking about what is the opportunity for this product. As PMM, it's ultimately my responsibility to connect the dots and, and be a bit prescriptive about the opportunity. But I also would be a fool not to benefit from the wisdom of my super talented peers as early and as often as I can. So that's part of the strategy there. Mm -hmm. How do you guys do the vetting and the validation before something goes out. So if you have, you know, let's say you have your pages, your messaging, your positioning, is there any kind of testing? Yeah, quite candidly, as like a Series C startup, our bandwidth and capabilities for like more formal message testing are nowhere near what they were when I was, you know, at a huge cruise ship type company like Instagram. When we can, we will involve managed customers in betas, oftentimes because they're, they've been asking for a feature. And we'll test the waters on how we position it to them, especially in terms of what the feature will and will not do. I think every product marketer can relate to our customers want, you know, product X and our product team says, okay, we're going to go ahead and build X. But but it turns out it can only do A and B when the customer expects it to do A, B, and C. So you have to figure out how do you say, hey, this is what we can deliver now. 
this is the road mapping around it. So setting that expectation is something we do test a lot and thanks to our managed customers. We also have a super vibrant community. So community.coto.io, we will run betas through there as well. And the beta announcement itself is an opportunity to do some message testing because we'll say, hey, here's an opportunity to use this thing. Here's what it does. Here's why we think it's valuable. And then if all the comments are like, we tried it, that's not why it's valuable. Okay, we have to obviously scrap some things. We're also very lucky. We have a, a super engaged set of investors and a great board. So when we do our quarterly board meetings, I think this is really cool and unique to Coda. Everyone at Coda attends the board meeting. So we get live feedback from our super plugged in investors as well. And we will actually share like, these are some of the go-to-market tactics we're planning to double down on in the coming quarter. And we'll get direct feedback right there. Your primary narrative is about your role in the evolution of computing and spreadsheets and how the, everything works. And also you guys were building the product for like five years before it actually launched. And so there's a lot of clever, smart engineering decisions were made about how you handle data and so on. And that's really the competitive advantage. Like this makes Coda awesome. So how do you tell that story to the prospects? If I'm like potentially a good fit customer for you and I'm following you on social and maybe you're targeting me with your ads and maybe I get to your website, how do you tell that story of Coda and, and why Coda over alternatives? Yeah, I mean, just to restate something you said, because it's something I'm really excited about for the company is like, yes, there are other platforms that do things that look similar to Coda. We're often compared to Notion. Google announced their Smart Canvas a set of features at IO a few weeks weeks ago that look like they're putting some Coda-esque features into Google Docs and Sheets. But there are still just very foundational things about the way all these products are built. That means certain things are either going to be really, really hard to close the gap on for other folks, or they're not going to be able to do. That's a great story for us to tell investors. That's a story that might not matter as much to someone who is deciding right here, right now, should I use Coda? Should I use Notion? Should I use Airtable? So the narrative and the story, again, depends on audience. I will say when we're thinking about like our larger enterprise deals, and a good chunk of our business comes from enterprise-sized clients and our enterprise SKU, the IT admins at these companies have a lot of power. And being able to tell that story about the foundational product changes, about our velocity, that's actually really important. And that's more of a one-on-one -on -one conversation. That's not necessarily a marketing campaign. So that happens in sales conversations. Exactly. But it's a message that I certainly have a hand in crafting. So does Elaine, who leads a lot of our sales enablement. But we do have to actually make sure because no IT manager wants to say, oh, our entire company, you know, everyone does use docs and sheets. We swapped out for a product. And then two years later, the product can't keep up, right? So we do have those talking points. We do have that conversation. It is fueled in large part by observations by our founders who are very open and transparent with us in their communication. So we do have that talk track for the IT admins. When it comes to the end users though, it's not about like, oh, this product has a big foundational difference. It's about their experience with the product. And one of the key ways that we found that that plays out is obviously talking about the benefits of some of the things we've done. And most recently that's been around performance. Others in our space have been observed to have issues with performance. A lot of them are getting better and we're glad to hear that because we just wanna make sure people get to make in whatever tool they choose. We wish it's Coda always, but we're not so naive to believe that we have 100% market penetration. But telling the story of performance for us, and we've done it at really regular drumbeats about every month or every other month, has been one way that we actually translate those foundational product decisions into real value for the users. And we will, in our community, go so far as to be like, hey, we have actually refactored how we store information in these types of columns in your tables, or we've optimized storage here. Does everyone get what that means? Not necessarily. But then when someone says, oh, does that mean that now my API call that was failing for limits will work? 
and we get to say yes confidently, that's a message that then gets repeated, not from us, but from that user on social media to their teams. And that is much more important in driving adoption and driving brand affinity and advocacy than saying, hey, if you go all the way down into the nitty gritty bits of our code, we're fundamentally different. Because ultimately the user cares about their experience more than anything. So it's about how those differences bear out in their experience. Longer term, we also have to have a narrative for our investors, for our market, for press. We will talk in a bit more detail about some of those foundational differences, but for the purposes of marketing and driving adoption, it's about translating it into real user value, always. So would you say that your go-to-market message is still a large part about product-led differentiation? At this point in time, it is. And again, I would go back to those kind of two paths to Google. We believe we offer an evolution from the incumbent docs and sheets tools people are used to. We believe we offer a more performant, more customizable solution to most of the other products that people would see as our peers. Traditionally, as categories get more mature, you know, be it cars or CRMs or marketing automation, there's increased sameness. So everybody copies everybody, all the innovative technologies become commoditized eventually. Yeah, Google just did, <laughs> or tried to. Right, and so if it looked like five years, 10 years in the future, whatever, that's probably gonna happen, or at least you get closer to that point. Are you thinking about that internally? That happens and then we have no feature-based differentiation or it's hard to maintain that? Yeah. And then are you building any kind of brand modes in, to address that? Yeah. So, I mean, product marketing, obviously our focus is on and how we translate that value. But there are other stories that we're really fortunate to get to tell about Coda. One is our rate and velocity of improving the product. So in the near term, I know this doesn't directly answer the five years ahead question. We absolutely intentionally tell a story about the velocity at which we ship updates to our product. Again, we announced over 100 publicly user-facing product updates, while others in our space maybe announced a few dozen. We also have things like a publicly available V1 API, where others have just announced a beta, and we've had a publicly available API for over a year. So we will still, at this point in time, flex on some like first-to-market opportunities or some things that make our company qualitatively different. And even looking at the long term, I do think the way we do business is different. One of the things, I mean, it would be interesting if other companies tried to adopt this. Our pricing model is called maker billing. So we're not just disrupting docs and sheets, we're disrupting the SaaS pricing model because most B2B software, you're going to pay a per seat license price, right? With Coda, we realized that there are people who tend to kind of like make the doc and then other people who come in and contribute what they need to, to the doc. And they can make new pages or maybe they're making a table, but someone has kind of started the work and the container. And some people just read the doc. Of that, like there are people who are read, there are people who contribute, there are people who make the doc. With Coda, you only pay for the people who make the doc. So that pricing differentiation is going to be a lever that we will continue to pull um, because there's great value to mine there if you think about our billing model and your company size and, and how you leverage the tool. Another thing is just the quality of service and our educational content. We were just called out by ZDNet while they were covering the Google Smart Canvas announcement for our Coda Essentials uh, video platform. And Maria, who is like the face and voice of Coda Education, who is a real person on my team, we will get tweets about her all the time. So living that brand value of being coaches and experts who are assertive bears out not just in the product, but in the other like features of Coda that might not be like product features that you get when you use Coda. You get access to this education library. You get access to this vibrant community on community.coda.io. You get access to our support team. We just won the best relation award on G2 in the document category. So like ease of doing business and quality of support. 
These will continue to be important ways we differentiate. And then when you get to the brand, like, yes, we intentionally look for in-product experiences and language we use in the product, ways we communicate feature updates that keep Coda feeling exciting. And I know that's insane. B2B software, exciting. I think it's possible. And I think when you are creating a tool that helps other people make even better, more custom tools for themselves, it actually is really easy for them to get excited. Like if you look on Twitter and look at hashtag no code or build in public, People are thrilled to have these new avenues to build tools and resources. And if we can sustain that excitement through the way our brand is reflected in language, education, support, and service, and in the product, I think we'll still maintain that competitive advantage. Are you guys intentionally, or like, is your strategy to become number one in your categories? You're the category king. And then largely your messaging marketing campaign is not to promote you as much as push the category and the narrative. And so hence building a media machine, events, content, all that stuff around. How do you think about that? Yeah, <laughs> there's definitely a frenemy relationship with others in our space. I think there's, I think the terminology is from crossing the chasm, but the kind of split between like visionaries and pragmatists. There are visionaries who are interested in new ways of work, new tools for doing work. If you look at like brand search terms for us, they tend to be on the coasts in kind of tech forward businesses, but any business that's going to do well has to also reach the pragmatists. Like my dream is that Coda is like the ubiquitous tool of choice for every florist in the Midwest and every used car salesman or, or anything like that. We have that opportunity to help them also up-level the products they use. But to get there, it's kind of like we have everything from the Asana and Monday.com app first models to the smart sheets and air tables to the Code of Notion, Dropbox, Quip, all of these folks, we're kind of together building this wave of awareness that there's something better than what the incumbents offer. But our job at the same time is to make sure we're paddling out in front so we can catch that wave and surf it all the way in. So it is this interesting experience of category making and competing against a higher order category while still trying to lead in that category. So when the wave crashes on that beach, we're the first to then lead in the broader category. Thank you so much.